This is Nursing Australia, proudly brought to you by APNA, the Australian Primary Healthcare Nurses Association. Happy holiday or silly season and welcome to the final instalment of the Nursing Australia podcast for 2021. This is episode 36 of the podcast. Before we bid farewell to the year that was, I think it's time we gave nursing as a career a big old plug. Nurses have been there on the front line throughout all of the last couple of years. And this year, it's been a biggie. Listeners out there who are maybe considering a career in nursing, don't be put off by what's happening in the pandemic. It's great. Maybe you're curious. Because before I started nursing, I thought, "Mm, maybe, maybe not. Then I thought, ooh, wiping bums, it's not for me. Let me assure you, there is a little bit of that. But then there's so much more, particularly... Uh, in the field of primary healthcare delivery. A career in nursing is rewarding, it's challenging, and can take you right across and through the country, as Dan Clark has learnt. While I was in Broken Hill, I got the opportunity to do a secondment to some remote communities where I spent about two months in total between Wilcannia and Whitecliffs. So it was a little bit of a culture shock, but definitely something that I was expecting. And nursing's biggest event on the calendar is here, finally. Coming to a town near you in early 2022 is the APNA Conference Roadshow. Get amongst it. And lastly, nurse-led diabetes management. Could this be an option for your practice? Having the ability for the nurses to sign those documents now, we can incorporate education into that, register them for the Desmond program, and really sell the support that's available to them. And if you are listening to Nursing Australia on Apple or Google Podcasts, please don't forget to tap the subscribe button. And on Spotify, click to follow. And remember, if you are listening on Spotify and you do like a particular spot in the episode, click to share. You can share at that time code with your friends. Just flick it through as a text. Let's kick off the episode. Again, thank you for joining us for 2021. It's time to grab the latest in healthcare news with Mitch Wall. As always, welcome to Nursing Australia. Pfizer booster key to Omicron protection, wiping university debts for doctors and MPs, and fake nurse ordered to pay compensation. This is Nursing Australia News. Hello, I'm Mitch Wall. Pfizer says that a third shot of its COVID-19 vaccine will produce significant antibodies against the Omicron variant. US President Joe Biden has labelled the claim as encouraging, but cautioned further studies and peer-reviewed data needs to be considered outside of the pharma company's own lab findings. The expectation is that the existing vaccines protect against Omicron, but if you get the booster, you're really in good shape. Back home, from the new year, the federal government has committed to wiping the existing university debts of doctors and nurse practitioners. This is in order to lure healthcare professionals to regional and remote communities across Australia. The scheme promises to dissolve study debts in exchange for working outside of metro areas. A Victorian person has been ordered to pay more than $10,000 in compensation and legal fees after falsely representing themselves as a registered nurse. The defendant admitted breaching national law after advertising themselves as a nurse on a business website. They identified themselves as a nurse while undertaking cosmetic fat freezing treatments in Melbourne. Stuck in a nursing rut or considering entering nursing as a career, I want to remind everyone that nurses are the heart of healthcare. Save one person, you're a hero. Save hundreds, you're a nurse. And nurses know what you do. 
It's what and who you are. Today's episode, we'll meet Daniel and listen to his nursing origin story, if you will, from training to grad, his experience through the pandemic, regional, remote nursing. What we want to encourage people who are in nursing is to perhaps be reinvigorated. Think of the other options that are out there. And for those of you who are considering a career in healthcare, well, nursing is an amazing front door. It's an amazing stepping stone. It's an amazing career in its own right. There are so many options, so many opportunities, nurses to midwives, to nurse practitioners, to primary care, to entry into medicine, allied health. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. So buckle up. This is Daniel's story. My name is Daniel. I'm a registered nurse working in the emergency department at St Vincent's Hospital in Sydney. I grew up on the North Shore in a suburb called Taramara. It's very affluent. It's a really nice place to grow up. My mum was a nurse. She never thought I was going to be a nurse and neither did I. But I was working in hospital administration and I think that kind of drove me to realise I didn't want to work behind a desk my whole life and the part of my job that I was really enjoying was the contact with patients and seeing their experience through the hospital setting. Before I started studying, I didn't know any male nurses. All of my friends are tradesmen. When I told them I was becoming a nurse, that was definitely something very foreign to them. Most of them just said I could never do that. I have this kind of innate want to help other people. And I know that there's always going to be nurses in the city. There's always going to be people working here. So I think for me, if the opportunity to go somewhere where no one else wants to go, it's going to then provide the people living in that area the opportunity to access healthcare that they might not have got otherwise. So I chose to go to the University of New England through Armadale um, so that I could do more regional placements. Being aware of the disparity in access to healthcare throughout Australia has definitely driven me to learn more about what is available to people in regional and remote areas and to see what people are dealing with at kind of a grassroots level. I like the idea that even though you can only give basic care to people, you can still give them the best basic care and there is still the opportunity to escalate their care further. After I finished my bachelor degree, I started working in Gosford. I worked in their coronary care unit and I was on an exchange program between Gosford Hospital and Broken Hill Base Hospital. So I did six months in Gosford Hospital and then I moved to far west New South Wales. Working in Gosford, that was at the start of when COVID really hit New South Wales. So the ward that I was on was one of the only wards that had negative pressure rooms. So people that had any sort of respiratory condition would be sent there. That was a very steep learning curve. Travelling out to Broken Hill, I hadn't really ventured inland too far. So it was a little bit of a culture shock, but definitely something that I was expecting. While I was in Broken Hill, I got the opportunity to do a secondment to some remote communities where I spent about two months in total between Wilcannia and Whitecliffs. The biggest difference I probably noticed was the access that people have to things that we would take for granted in the city, things like x-rays, basic imaging, basic access to a doctor. A lot of the time in Wilcannia, you would wait eight hours for a doctor to be able to fly out and see a patient. 
Going from there to White Cliffs, that was a completely nurse-run service where we'd be on call 24 hours a day. There was myself and another registered nurse for the town. So because it was only nurses working in those areas, all of the triple O calls would come through to us and then we would run the ambulance as well. Working only in hospitals before I went to those remote communities, I'd only ever seen patients who had been pre-assessed. So when you're going out there without any pre-hospital training, you then need to adapt and be able to do those assessments and kind of figure out where to, where to start with that patient. So I moved to St Vincent's Emergency in Sydney about three months ago to gain tertiary experience in a hospital that was a little bit faster paced. It's been an interesting few months. I've learned a lot in a very short amount of time. I don't think looking after a COVID positive patient is any different to looking after someone else who's acutely unwell. It's just that there's always that risk factor that you're going to contract COVID while you're looking after them. We came out of lockdown about a month ago. From a hospital perspective, since things have opened up, it's got a lot busier. There was a lot of people who avoided coming to hospital during COVID. So when they did present, they were more unwell, but presentations were like half of what they are now. I think working in emergency is very different to other kinds of nursing, just the turnover rate. As soon as your bed's empty, there's another ambulance stretcher there ready to offload another patient to you and you work that patient up. It can get overwhelming and you can, like you've got four critically unwell people to look after at the one time. I think the importance of being able to prioritize your care is probably the biggest thing. And it's just about debriefing when things have gone wrong and learning from those mistakes and when it gets busy and you finish your shift just reflecting on it and thinking about all of the things that you've done well and then thinking about what you could have done better so you carry that into your next shift. The idea of working rurally and remotely is something that I'd like to do long term but I think now that I'm at Vinnie's I'd like to stay I think having triage capabilities and being able to assess patients when they come through the door is something invaluable for going remote. And it's just a matter of waiting until I think I've seen enough presentations to feel comfortable that when I go remote, I'll be able to act almost autonomously with whatever comes through the door. I think if someone I knew now told me that they were considering becoming a nurse, I'd definitely encourage them to do it. There's just so many different things to learn. You get such an intrinsic reward from helping people. There's just this great respect that you get from your peers, but also the people around you, because it's not a job that everyone can do. So I think if you feel like you've got the ability to do it, it's definitely worth trying. And starting small is a really good opportunity because diving straight into a bachelor degree is not easy, but enrolled nurses and assistant nursing don't get enough credit for what they do and it's a really simple easy way to get in and try it and see if you enjoy it. ABV Australia are very proud to support the APNA Conference Roadshow including the Gold Coast, Sydney and Melbourne events. Come and visit us at our stand to hear about how AbbVie are working with nurses across Australia to help support their efforts to eliminate chronic hepatitis C. 
Additionally, we would love to share video content from our recent Hep C-focused Nurse Summit, where local Australian nurses showcase their nurse-led models of care in the communities where they work to eliminate Hep C. We look forward to welcoming you at our AbbVie stand. Nurses can find some AbbVie links in the show notes of this episode. Hello, Nursing Australia listeners. I would like to invite all of you to the biggest nursing event in Australia. It's kicking off in the new year all over the country at a town near you, and it starts in February 2022. That's right. The APNA Conference Roadshow is finally here, out of the way COVID, out of the way lockdowns. Also, APNA's 21st birthday is in 2022, so at each Roadshow event, there'll be a 21st birthday bash in the evening, which of course, attendees will all be invited to. You can expect a whole lot of learning at the conferences, networking, stimulating discussion, awesome food, and of course, plenty of celebrating. You can register at apna.asn.au forward slash education forward slash roadshow. And on that same page, you will find out more details about when exactly we'll be coming to your town or city. I'll be at all of the conferences. I'm really looking forward to it. And so will a lot of APNA's key people. Actually, let's hear from them now. We'll kick things off with Karen. Hi, my name's Karen Booth and I'm the president of APNA. I'm coming to a road show in a town somewhere near you. I'm really looking forward to catching up and meeting with APNA members. I'm looking forward to seeing you all. I'm looking forward to networking. I'm looking forward to sharing some of the great things that APNA has done this year and plan to do next year. I'm looking forward to seeing all of you having a really good time and learning lots. See you all at the APNA Conference Roadshow. Hi, Ken Griffin, APNA's CEO here. Need to blow off the cobwebs of the last two years? We'll do it at the APNA Conference Roadshow. Come to learn, connect and re-energise, but more importantly, come to celebrate everything primary healthcare nursing. And of course, APNA is 21 in 2022. And like all good 21st, there's gonna be a party. So see you in 2022 at the APNA Conference Roadshow. Hi, I am Shanti Gardner, Policy and Advocacy Manager at APNA. Our team will be sharing key insights from the 2021 APNA Workforce Survey. I'm based in Queensland and I'm looking forward to meeting fellow Queenslanders in person on the Gold Coast leg. Hi, I'm Prue Bourne, a nurse educator at APNA. We're writing our lists, checking them twice, packing our party shoes and looking forward to hitting the road and the skies. I'll be providing an update on anaphylaxis and we'll see you all throughout the Chocker Block program that's been planned. You only turned 21 once and I've heard there's a party planned to celebrate APNA's birthday for each event. Tap me on the shoulder. Come and say hi. I'll see you there. Hi, I'm Suzanne Blackaby. I'm really looking forward to the 21st birthday party. Yay! But really excited to be bringing you speakers from your jurisdiction. Something we don't usually get to do here at APNA, but this time we do. So the content and the education and the speakers will all be relevant to your jurisdiction where you live and work. Can't wait to see you there. Thank you so much, Karen, Ken, Chanthi and Suzanne. Honestly, the APNA Conference Roadshow is going to be awesome. Go to apna.asn.au forward slash education forward slash roadshow. Don't forget, there will be some links in the show notes of this podcast episode. Register now. You will also find more details about special member discounts and what to do if you or someone you know 
would like to present at one of our Roadshow Conference events. See you there. This podcast is brought to you by APNA, the Australian Primary Healthcare Nurses Association, and is only made possible by our members. Join today. Google APNA membership. Are you a nurse working in primary healthcare and looking for the next step in your career? Or do you work in a hospital and curious about moving into a primary healthcare setting like general practice, aged care or school nursing? Check out the APNA Nursing Jobs page, powered by Healthcare Link where you can search jobs near you and filter by setting and speciality. To get to the APNA Nursing Jobs page, click the link in the show notes of this episode. Since August 2020, practice nurses have been authorised to complete and certify some forms for the National Diabetes Services Scheme, or the NDSS. This includes NDSS registration forms. Nursing Australia recently caught up with Dallas Bailey, a registered nurse from Abermann, New South Wales, to discuss the NDSS and supporting people with diabetes. So, Dalla, since uh, August last year, so almost 12 months now, practice nurses have been able to complete and certify some NDSS forms, including the registration form. How has this change been introduced and embraced in your practice setting? Um, absolutely embraced and um, most definitely accepted by the patients. I guess it's more of a team approach. Primarily, it was the responsibility of the GPs or the doctors to take on the role to educate and complete all the documentation for the patients. And being time poor, we've just sort of made it a team approach. Primarily, it's the nurses, so the doctors will diagnose, and then the nurses will fill out the registration form and have the time to explain that to the patient, go through the paperwork, the benefits that are involved. It really helps them, especially if there's literacy issues or communication issues and then have the time to link them up with their local pharmacy and even our admin team help with that. So um, having the ability for the nurses to sign those documents now for the patients to not only register but also get their supply of their six monthly strips. We can incorporate education into that, register them for the Desmond program and really sell the support that's available to them because it can be a quite an isolating diagnosis. Where do you find the time to do it? Where in the process would a, would a patient encounter this? Yeah, um, good question. So definitely we're very personalised in the way we approach the patients here. Once they get diagnosed, um, they get some information about the services available in the practice to support them, not only the Medicare services, but ones available to us. Um, and they have a dedicated appointment with the nurse whether it be for a health assessment or a chronic disease plan. And we most definitely utilise the return to nurse appointments, the 10997s, and take the time to get them back on a proactive basis for preventative care. It's not just a quick come in, sign a form and see you later. Quite often it became quite overwhelming that very first appointment that they get with just the diagnosis alone and giving them the opportunity to come back for support and feeling supported at the same stage. So we incorporate the GP management plan, but then sit with them and either get them back or at the same time, do the paperwork and fax it off immediately, giving them a copy and linking them up with their chemist for that support as well. And in terms of your team, would you say that does sort of alleviate that time burden on GPs and and other members within your practice day to day? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so the doctors are focusing on um, the diagnosis and the management of the of the patients and then activating that team care approach where we can immediately register people for um, NDSS registration, all the burden of the paperwork and um, the admin burden. So the patient gets to sit with the practice nurse and not only fill out the form, but discuss it, what it means to them, the benefit for them. 
Um, and if they've got any questions, they have the opportunity again to speak to the doctor at the end of the appointment. So it alleviates the, the GP's time of doing paperwork and focus more on clinical care. And instead of that, we'll get back to the paperwork later. It, it can all be done quite quickly and efficiently in the one appointment. How is this helping to support your patients with diabetes? It's really heartwarming when the patient comes into the clinic and wants to make an appointment with the nurse. They don't want to see the doctor. They want to see the nurse. They really see the benefit of having their own team and building that connection with the patient where we can liaise with NDSS. Any questions they've got, whether that be registering for a new program, a bit of support, or even when the restrictions are changed, the patients really benefit from that. I guess it creates that cascade effect like it benefits the patient personally they get timely access to services they get to develop a support team immediately they get to register straight away so they can peruse and have a look at the website access services they can also register for their own learning benefits have a bit of a chance to have a look at things and then come back and touch base again with our team being the doctors and the nurses and the support people. Quite often the diagnosis itself of diabetes can bring around a stigma in itself, but to know that you're not alone in the process, that there's plenty of resources out there and there's options for resources. It's not all face-to-face verbal stuff. They can access support material um, on the web. They can come back for further appointments. Great. And finally, from a practical perspective, I guess, how do you find the process of completing and and submitting them for the forms yourself? It's been really seamless. Um, Even the communication from the NDSS on how to go about doing that. It's enabled the nurses to take on a much more personal role with the patient. It's extremely efficient. The forms are very self-explanatory. Um, our practice came up with the idea of developing a personal practice stamp for the nurse, which already includes our nurse and, nurse and midwife number, practice contact details. So all that repetitious stuff that you need to document is created in a stamp. Filling in the form and sending it off at e- is really easy, um, very seamless and extremely painless. And you get to spend that quality time with the patient talking about the benefits of their registration. Great. And I guess just, uh, actually, I said finally, but I I lied. My (laughs) final question for you is from patients, what is when you're registering them for the first time with NDSS, what's the most common question you get asked or questions? I guess it's more the atmosphere around the diagnosis. They feel quite overwhelmed initially. And the biggest question I guess I get is just, how am I going to do this? And the biggest message I try to send to the patient is it's how are we going to do this? We're going to do this together. You've got a team of people here for you. And once they realise there's not only all the resources are out there, but all the professionals and all the team members that can help them through the process, they, they walk away feeling a lot more confident and empowered, most definitely. The NDSS is an initiative of the Australian government administered by Diabetes Australia. Practice nurses certifying NDSS registration forms is optional for each GP and a practice nurse would not be required to certify a form unless it's within their scope of practice, knowledge and experience to do so. Normal referral processes to health professionals such as credentialed diabetes educators, accredited practicing dietitians or other applicable health professionals is still required. And for more information about the NDSS, including frequently asked questions for practice nurses out there certifying NDSS forms, please go to ndss.com.au or call the NDSS helpline on 1800 637 700. That's 1800 637 700. And there will be a link in the show notes of this episode for more information. Nursing Australia, the podcast for Australian nurses working together towards a healthier Australia.
If you are listening to Nursing Australia right now on Apple or Google Podcasts, please don't forget to tap the subscribe button. And on Spotify, click to follow and be sure to give us a rating if you like what you are listening to. So, farewell, fair listeners, for 2021 from the Nursing Australia team and the greater family at APNA. See you all in 2022 for some exciting new installments of the Nursing Australia podcast. Coming in January, an exclusive interview with Norman Swan. He sits down not to talk about COVID, but to talk about what is good for you. Let's bust some wellness myths with Australia's favourite doctor. I'm Matt St. Ledger. Thank you so much for listening to Nursing Australia. I'll see you in the new year. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening to Nursing Australia.